Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you breathe life into all living things. We thank you that we are made with a purpose. We pray this morning that you would breathe your spirit on us afresh as we come to your word. Challenge us, encourage us, help us to live more in your image through Jesus Christ. Amen. So good morning. My name is Josh. I'm one of the clergy here in the St. George's team. I have responsibility for Holy Trinity Bore Lane, which is a new church plant, which is finding ways to love and serve those who work at the heart of the city. So if you want to know more about that, um, come and find me. But we're starting our new series this morning, which we're going to continue over a number of weeks, called Made for More. So I'll be speaking a bit more about that in a moment. I don't know about you, but I'm not much of a, a weeper when it comes to watching movies. I reckon I could watch Leonardo DiCaprio hanging off that, that piece of wood for hours on end at the end of Titanic and show no signs of emotion whatsoever. But, but very occasionally there's a moment in a film that just connects so deeply with me that it, it has me reaching for the tissues in the corner of the room. I'm just going to tell you really quickly, I'm going to try not to cry, and tell you very quickly about one of those moments this morning. So I don't know if you've seen the film Boyhood. It came out a few years ago. Uh, it, it is, um, it's a really unique film in that it was filmed over the course of 12 years with the same actors, and it, and it tracks the life of a family through their ups and downs. There's a moment right at the end of this film that really gets me for some reason. So the mum is about to send her son Mason off to university or to college, and she sat weeping in the corner of her apartment. And Mason asks her what the problem is, and she says, you know what I'm realising? My life is going to go. Like that, this series of milestones, getting married, having kids, getting divorced, sending you off to college, you know what's next? It's my funeral. And Mason replies, Mum, aren't you jumping ahead? About 40 years or something? And the mum replies, I just thought there would be more. I just thought there would be more. I know exactly what she means when she utters those words, which is why it, I think, connects so deeply with me. We know that feeling, don't we, of time passing without our control, without us ever taking time to reflect on it. It's like when you, I don't know if you are a user of Facebook, but sometimes I get these reminders that 10 years have passed since I went for coffee with a friend that I thought happened last week. When you have children, you notice this, especially if, especially if you've not seen a child in a while. You meet a nephew or a niece or a grandchild, and you think, how are they five years old? Wasn't it only last year that they were born? Most of us, even those that are convinced that our life is meaningful and comes from God, will experience something of this passing of time without noticing. We might know the experience of going weeks or months or maybe even years living the same routine without reflecting on it. Eat, work, come home, eat, crash in front of the TV, sleep, 
and do it all again the next day. So whatever you spend your days doing, whether it is responding to emails, meeting clients, writing essays, caring for children, caring for adults, I think it's true that it can be difficult to connect what we believe, what we sing about on a Sunday morning, with what we do with the rest of our time. A good place to start, I think, is to notice, as we heard in our reading today, that the Christian vision of what human beings are is unique. We were created by God. We didn't come into this world by accident. We don't have to look for our own meaning in our lives. We were made for a purpose. We were made with a plan, even when we don't feel that this is the case. And I think there's some real value in reflecting on that truth together. Now, I'm convinced that there are two and only two kinds of people in the world. And you can see these two people very clearly on Christmas morning when you open your presents. The first kind of person says, when you get something new, what you have to do is get the instruction manual, read it from front to back, and then read it again. And then, perhaps, you can start playing with your new toy. My dad is one of these people. Uh, Christmas Day is a lot of fun in our house, when it was growing up. And I am the complete opposite. I'm the kind of person that rips open the present, rips open the box, says, oh, this is where the batteries go, shove them in, and get on and play with it. Now, many of us, I think, are not like my dad. Many of us are not like the first person. We don't take time to reflect, to stop, and to think about how something works and why something works. Maybe that's led to a kind of expensive mistake. I've often had these with IKEA flat pack furniture when I realize the screw that was meant to go in at the beginning is still left there on the table at the end. But maybe you've had that expensive mistake in your life. Maybe you've had that moment in your life where you wish you'd stopped and reflect more deeply on what you were made for. So as hard as it is for me to admit, perhaps my dad is right. Perhaps there's some value in stopping and reflecting on why we were made to do what we are made to do. And that's essentially what we're going to do over these next few weeks in our sermon series. We're going to stop and we're going to ask, what is it that we were made for? Who were we made to be? And we're going to reflect very closely on these opening two chapters of Genesis, which I think give us a real beautiful insight in who human beings were made to be, how we were made to live, and how we were made to be in relationship with God and with the world. We're going to examine this through four different themes. This morning, we're going to think about being made for God, being made to be in relationship with God. But we're also going to be, think, we're also going to be thinking about what it means to be those who are made for work. The Genesis story tells us of a God who works, who creates, who builds, and human beings who were given instructions, as we heard this morning, to work, to steward over creation, to be co-creators with God in naming the, the parts of his creation. We're also made for rest, so we're going to be thinking about this. Julia is going to be reflecting on this next week in the 1030 service. God is a God who rests, who stops. And lastly, we're going to be thinking about what it means for us to be made to relate to be made to relate to one another as human beings is an essential part of the Genesis story that we see in these opening chapters. So, made for God. 
What does it mean for us to be made to be in relationship with God? I think the first thing for us to notice is that these four themes are not equivalent. They are not on a level standing. We're going to be reflecting on human relationships and our relationship with work and rest over the next few weeks. But we should notice that our spiritual lives, our relationship with God, is not just an added part of a life well lived. It's not like we go to work, we have time off, we spend time with friends, and we go to church. I think if we think of our spirituality in these terms, we're effectively trying to bring God into our creation, as if God is part of the created order, like anything else, like our friendships, like our work, like any of the things that we use. But the Genesis story tells us that before anything existed, before anything came into being, there was God. The Bible doesn't start with a cleverly worded argument to point us to God. It doesn't instruct us who God is and persuade us that God exists. It assumes, it asserts that before all else, God exists. As God says to Moses in the book of Exodus, I am who I am. And so I don't think we can think of spirituality or our relationship with God as if it's something that can just be added on to an already busy life. The challenge this morning is not that we should go away and try just a little bit harder to pray more or to read the Bible more, as important as these things are. I think we have to see that there isn't a single part of our universe that doesn't concern God. In this act of creation where God speaks life into being, God and creation are bound together in the most intimate way. And so God is involved in every aspect, whether it's creating the innumerable stars and planets that fill our skies or each living thing that we see around us. And human beings, God tells us, are part of this creation. We are part of this beautiful created order which God is intimately related to. And so everything that we do, everything that we say, is of importance to God and matters to God. The second thing for us to notice is that while we're part of this creation, Genesis tells us that human beings have a distinctive place within the created order. As we'll think about next, uh, in a few weeks when we talk about being made for work, this involves something of the authority that we have been given to care for our created world and to care for one another. But I think the thing that's important to notice this morning is that human beings were created as everything else is, but we were given the distinctive role of bearing the image of God, of reflecting God's likeness. It is human beings who God goes on to make covenant with in the scriptures. God binds himself to us, not only as our creator, but one who promises to be near to us and to love us. And so if we could hit the button return to factory settings on our human lives, on our human race. The most basic function that we would have is that we were made for God. As St. Augustine puts it in his confessions, 
You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. We were made as those that are to reflect God's character in our lives. As we see in these pages of Genesis, God is a God who works, bringing life into being, bringing order from chaos. God is a God who rests. He puts aside time to be ordained to stop working. And God is a God who is in his very nature relational. God relates to himself and he relates to his creation. And so we cannot think then that being spiritual, relating to God, is just about what we do when we come to church, when we spend time in prayer, whatever it is that we do that nourishes our relationship with God. Everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think concerns our relationship with God. There is not a part of your lives that is not of spiritual significance. There is not a part of your lives that doesn't concern God. And so in a certain sense, everything that we're going to be talking about in this series concerns being made for God. But lastly, we're going to think about how this truth that we've reflected on in Genesis might change something of our daily lives, our daily rhythms and routines. I was talking to someone the other day, and they said to me something that really intrigued me, which was, they said, I used to get up every morning and have an hour's quiet time with God. And then I realized that actually this was the wrong way of thinking about it. And actually I've decided that my whole life is a prayer. And so I no longer need to do this quiet time every morning. And I think there's a truth, there's a truth in that that I think we really need to affirm. As we were hearing from Eve a few weeks ago when we looked at the book of Colossians, when Paul urges us to pray without ceasing, this can't possibly mean that we spend all of our time praying. It means that our whole lives must somehow become part of our relationship with God. But I also know my own human psychology very well. I can't speak for you. But I know that for me, this, this kind of way of thinking about my relationship with God can often be an excuse. An excuse for not prioritizing time to pay attention to what God is saying. To listen to what God is saying in his words. And so I think if we think like this, I know that if I do, I can go weeks, perhaps even months, without really doing anything particularly intentional that invests in my relationship with God. I think the Bible speaks both of a whole life discipleship, a whole life spirituality, but it also speaks very specifically about the spiritual disciplines and practices which will help us to cultivate this. And I think what the heart of these disciplines are about is paying attention, paying attention to who God is, paying attention to what God is saying, and paying attention to what God is doing. Now, I think if this is right, if, if these spiritual practices are about paying attention to God, then I think it's fair to say that it's increasingly difficult to do this in our modern lives. I'm, I'm not going to shame you too much, but out of interest, could you put your hand up if you've looked at a phone or felt a phone vibrate in your pocket since the service started? So there are a few of us, right? I would, 
uh, this, is, this is me being terribly stereotypical, but I think if we were to get a room of students here, um, almost every one of them would put their hand up. One of the things I think we need to pay attention to is that just as we were created for a purpose and a design, the things that we use in our lives also have a purpose. Many of us would probably admit that we spend a little longer than we would like looking at these wonderful devices in our pockets. But do you know, this is precisely what they were designed for. They were designed to keep our attention for as long as possible. Believe it or not, psychologists tell us that the same chemical that fires in our brain when we have sex or take drugs or do gambling is, is stimulated when we check our emails on a smart device. This technology has a purpose. It has a design. It's supposed to distract us. It's supposed to take our attention. One of the most powerful testimonies of this I think we can see is to look at how the designers themselves use the technology. Apparently, Apple's Steve Jobs refused to let his children have an iPad. The CEO of Snapchat, Evan Spiegel, allows his children to look at screens for an hour a week. I wonder how many parents in the room could admit that they are that disciplined with their children's use of technology. Now, perhaps the answer is not to throw away your iPhone, Although maybe it is. But I think we have to ask ourselves how the things that we do day in, day out, hour in, hour out, shape us as spiritual beings designed to relate to God. And that, that has been my prayer for Holy Trinity, that we might be a place that can call people to look up, to lift up their eyes from whatever it is that distracts them. Maybe it's not their smartphones, maybe it's their work, maybe it is something else entirely. But to look up to the God that created them and sustains them and gives them life. And so that's what we're going to do as we continue in our worship today. We're going to pause. We're going to try as hard as we can to remove any distractions. And we're going to lift up our eyes to the giver of life, the one who made us and created us. We're going to take that moment to be present and to be still. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the source of all life. We pray today you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would know your presence with us, and that we might pay attention to what you're saying. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.